Welcome to the Compete Every Day podcast, a weekly show to help you harness the power of competition to be better than yesterday. Hear each week from performance leaders, coaches, and experts on the benefits of competition and how you can use it to win at work and in life. And now, your host, Chief Encouragement Officer at Compete Every Day, Jake Thompson. New week. Who's excited? Who's still competing strong? What's up, competitors? My name is Jake Thompson. I am the host of the Compete Every Day podcast, the chief encouragement officer here at CED. And boy, am I excited that you are here. Whether it's your first episode, welcome. We're excited to have more competitors. And if you're coming back after you've been listening before, welcome back. It is always great to have old friends here to listen get better, and focus on how they can be the best competitor possible. This season two is all about how you, the listener, can harness the power of competition to be better than yesterday. How you can use competition to win at work and in your life. And how that true competition is focusing on being your best self, competing against yesterday's best so that today you're better. Each week, you'll have the opportunity to hear from a variety of guests. Some weeks, we have athletes. Some weeks, we have coaches, sports psychologists, entrepreneurs, all around conversations of competition, the benefits of competition. How do you have healthy competition with yourself? And most importantly, how do you become better than yesterday? That's our goal here at the show, and this week is no different, as I am excited to welcome to the show 2012 Olympian Martin Reeder. That's right. North of the border Canadian Martin Reeder is here to have a conversation with us about something we both love, competition, and how he uses competition well past his Olympic days to continue being better than yesterday, to continue pouring into others and helping other athletes grow up with a healthy sense of competition and focused on their pursuit of being their best self. Before I dive into the show, I want to remind you, if you want to get in touch with me, if you want to reach out to the show, drop me a note to podcast at competeeveryday.com. I read every email that comes in. My team reads every email that comes in. So if you have feedback, if you have a guest suggestion, something, man, let us know. We love hearing from members of the community. I always love hearing from listeners. And if you love this show, if you've gotten any kind of value, if Martin dropped some wisdom on you today, I've got a favor to ask. Share the episode with one friend. That's it. Send it in an email, shoot a Facebook message, post it on Twitter, whatever the case may be. But if you get value from the conversation today I have with Martin, please share that episode with a friend so that that friend can get that same insight, can learn something from the episode, and they can start working on being better than yesterday and being a great competitor just like I know you are. Now, I know you're ready for me to stop talking and for me to let Martin start rolling. So without further ado, I'm excited to welcome to the show Olympian Martin Reeder. Okay, Martin, welcome to the show. I, I would have to ask if you are a competitive individual or not, but I think from the little bit that we've known each other and I've learned, I think the answer is quite yes. It's a hands down yes, man. Very critical piece to my life. 
<laughs> well, thanks for joining on the show. Uh, to those listening, tell us a little bit about yourself. You're a pro athlete. Uh, you've got your hands in multiple projects and things that you're working on in addition to playing. So tell us a little bit about yourself so we can get to know you. Absolutely. Uh, born and raised on Vancouver Island on the West Coast of Canada. Uh, played all sports, but wound up sinking my teeth in a beach volleyball. Wound up uh, winning a couple national championships. Played for the national team for nine years and then culminated my career in the sand competing in the Olympic Games where my partner Josh Binsock and I came 17th. Retired after that, I really wanted to take my my lessons learned in the sand, hitting a ball over the net into life and, and start to build a business and, and build some momentum off the court. Uh, that turned into a fitness business where we brought the athletic training model to the general population in the form of a group training. Uh, that was awesome. Uh, that was in Toronto downtown. Really did a great job of uh, working with my, my business partner there to get something really vibing off the ground. And uh, after about four and a half years, really just felt the urge to come back into sport and, uh, and to get in as a leader for, for young kids who, uh, um, you know, are dealing with a lot in, in current sport culture. And that's the um, issue I'm chewing on right now, which is getting kids motivated and active and, and participating in sports so that they can uh, be champions for life. Dude, I love that. I love that. It starts at such a young age. And and I know, you know, some of the conversations that I've had lately and have been going on have been around youth sports and working with kids as they're getting up and teens and into mindset and competitive drive because it's such an important deal. The learning to be a competitor as well as avoiding this participation trophy culture uh, that seems to be growing through through mainstream media. What what do you love most about the work that you get to do with athletes and youth? Well, first and foremost, I, I have to challenge myself and I get to challenge myself to live my message. Um, everything that I want to share with young kids, which is about with authenticity, going out and, and giving your best on the effort side of things versus looking at the outcome. You know, I get to live into my dream and, and share that with with youth and then be a part of that journey with them uh, through a few different clubs and a few different academies that, that I'm working with. And, you know, just being able to be with them through a process and, and have a slightly different approach than the current sport culture, which is winning every single day at all costs, which is a little bit short-sighted and, and causing us some issues in, in the, in the current culture. I mean, I would agree with that because you get into this situation to where, you establish, you can establish poor habits and things through the process of winning that necessarily the win wasn't by your efforts. Um, and so it creates a sense of resting on your laurels almost versus the athlete that has the mindset of ending on empty, which is a phrase we tend to use a lot at compete and, and some that I've had with, with multiple sports psychologists in conversations of leaving everything out there on the, on the field, on the court, knowing that you've done everything you have in training and preparation and performance with everything that you've been given so that when you walk away, it's not a question of what if I'd trained harder? What if I'd done this? You know, you've exhausted every ounce of ability that you have. <laughs> well, the, the ethos of that for me is to compete and um, I know that you've referenced some Greek terminologies uh, in some of your dialogues. And for me, 
my one of my main philosophies for off ball, which is teaching kids to impact the game when you don't necessarily have the ball. So more on the personal development side is compete consists of two words, which is strive together, competitory. And so to strive is is to pursue that perpetual self-development of your best and then together, meaning within yourself, with your teammates, but also with your opponents. So it's not about going out there winning. It's about I'm going to go out there and compete at my best and sharpen myself against other people who are also doing their best. And regardless of the outcome, we're going to give it our all. And now I'm not saying participation ribbons. That's not what I'm saying. (laughs) This is about giving your best. And then that outcome takes care of itself versus it's we're only doing it for that outcome. Absolutely. I love that. So let's, let's dive into your athletic journey. And, and obviously being an Olympian is a rare feat. And it's something that a lot of people watch every two to four years. They think that would be, Oh, that would be so much fun. I, you know, I'd love to be an Olympian, but the amount of work and dedication and, and discipline and, as well as sacrifices you have to make behind the scenes to get to that point is great. At what age did you start on toward that goal of saying, I want to be an Olympian? Or was it something that you just naturally had developed such a skill for the game that the opportunity started to present yourself and you chose to level up at that point in terms of your training and commitment? In, in all honesty, man, my, my dad called me champ the second I came out of the womb. Uh, my, my mom played pro tennis. My dad played pro rugby. Um, I, I loved sports from day one. And, and so I, I swam and I played everything. But I, I always wanted to compete at the top and play at the top, which was the Olympic Games. And so there was this, this special place in, in our family uh, where we just always watched the Olympics and we always told stories of it. I always wanted to be an Olympian. And so originally that was going to be as a swimmer, but I developed an allergic reaction to chlorine in the water. So I had to get out of the pool at about 11. Uh, and that's when I beach volleyball for the first time, but I didn't necessarily commit to it at 11. I just really resonated with the sport. And I actually just recorded a podcast with Randy Stoklos, who's one of the best players of all time. And he was one of the guys that inspired me. He's just an incredible guy. And I always worked towards playing at the top. And once I, really wound up at 17, 18, getting some good looks in volleyball and then moving into the sand uh, and moving up towards the national team. That was really when it started to become a possibility. But to be to be honest, um, it was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. And, and it only presented itself about three weeks before the Olympics in London 2012. Uh, we earned the right to compete at it. So it, it was by no means a gift. It was a nine-year journey at the top level. So that difficult of a journey, you know, the nine years, most people see you probably come onto the scene and consider certain things of overnight success or, or it was given to you or any number of misperceptions, misconceptions about uh, that situation. But yet you strove for almost a decade working toward this one goal. How were you able to maintain that inner motivation for that goal? throughout that lengthy of a journey? Because today I feel like we're in such a instant gratification society that people give up if they don't achieve it quickly. And, and so the idea of a year, two years, nine years is almost unheard of for many people that aren't uh, internally motivated to sustain that long path. 
For sure. I mean, current culture, 100% perpetual what you just said. And, you know, I, I got to give a tip of the hat to my parents for, for always believing in me and, and never showing this lack of faith and, and always just playing the long game and, and getting me to think about that long game. So, you know, it was never about the, the next tournament only. And then all of a sudden we, we lose or we didn't make it. And then the dream was over. There was always this understanding that it was the long game. I can only think of my parents for handing me that. And so many times where I should have been demoralized and I've had some lows, don't get me wrong, but there was always this faith and anchoring and a long-term vision that I just knew I was destined to. I knew that it was a part of my future and, and I just never gave up um, regardless of what that outcome was. And I'm, I'm not saying that I'm totally senile or I, I'm out to lunch. Like there was a belief with the effort that I put forward as, long, as well as increasing gains and, and momentum and points on the world tour and that kind of thing. Like the story was, was there, but it was just long and it, it just came down to faith and, and really making sure that every single day I, I showed up and did my best. I love that, man. I, I love that maintaining the faith and the focus and drive on, on what that end goal is. And obviously you've taken your experience, what you've learned, uh, that same mindset that helped you persevere through those nine years to make that Olympic goal to now working with other individuals, helping to pour that into them and, and help create future competitors essentially in life. Um, I love the fact that on your, your podcast show off ball podcast, you talk about your personal development is your competitive advantage. And so what are some things that you're able to do or, or that you enjoy doing with these people you work with to take pieces of your perseverance, your grit, your story, and instill into them? How are you able to help them grasp what that perseverance and grit required is to succeed and then also help them to understand how to maintain that focus on their goal and, and continue to believe in that process and the faith in themselves. I love all of that and I'll do my best to do it justice. Um, first and foremost, this is a lesson that just keeps on showing up in my life. And, and I just recently had a tough go. My, my dad had a serious fall and uh, we were with him in the hospital for that time. And it really just came down to being present. And the more we were able to focus on being present and just let the situation be, the more we didn't get in the way of the situation. And I find that a lot of pressure moments, we let the mind run and we get into these future thoughts, both negative and positive of what could happen. And I believe that competitive sport is really about managing all of that, managing that runoff expectation or the projection of the future or that fear of what that might be and just bringing it back to the center in whatever environment you're in. And so that for me is, is what I try to do in person with my clients or, or the youth that I work with. And it's through, through fun. It's having a really good time when you're doing it and, and working hard and, uh, something that I, I really hammer home on is you are not your stuff. And so each one of us is pulling this bag of stuff, our experiences behind us. And the more you're holding on to that, the heavier the bag is, and you're trying to drag that into the future. And if I parallel that to sport, if you had a really tough rally and you got blocked, for instance, in, in volleyball or you, know, you got stuffed in basketball, 
you got the, the ball stripped away from you in soccer, whatever your sport is, or even play in life, whatever you're in the boardroom and, and you just have a bad moment. If you hold on to that and you become that bad moment, you're essentially refusing growth in the future because you become that failure versus how do I let go of that in that moment and then move forward knowing that I can take a learning from that, but not necessarily become it. And so through fun, through exercises, through challenges, through competition, different ways that are really enjoyable, getting youth and, and adults to, to have fun, but also to really put themselves out there knowing that they're not their failures, um, it, I think is really critical. And I've seen a lot of success with that. I love that key piece. You are not your failures. You are not your stuff. Uh, because for many times we tend to cling our identity into things that happen. We, we fail at something. So we assume that we're a failure in life and, and people start to take on that persona of believing they're a failure because it didn't work this time versus just looking at it as what it is. It didn't work this time. I can try again. I can do things differently. What did I learn from the situation? Um, and I think that's key for a lot of youth athletes, especially because when they're in the very much the developmental phase, it's easy for those things to stick with them. And if the, if it sticks with them through sport, it can obviously have a ripple effect throughout the rest of their life as they get older, that they always assume they're a failure at this or they lack the confidence to do certain things like, you know, continue to grow and push that edge and, and try to develop. Um, I love the fact that you talk about this, you talk about the decline in youth sports and, and how kids are getting away from that. They're becoming physically more inactive uh, than they used to be. And, and obviously that doesn't just have a physical impact on what's going to happen from their life expectancy and their health, but very much a mental aspect, as you well know, as a dedicated athlete, um, as I know, as someone that studies mindset and competition, that sports and competition create such positive benefits throughout the rest of your life that it, ch it can change an individual. So now that where you are as a grown past your Olympic days, what, how do you stay competitive with yourself? What, what are some things that you do to continually be sharp? And, and was there a, I would, I would almost use the word divorce from that Olympic training days and mindset or is it still the same do you still carry that same mindset that you once had you've just been able to harness it and shift it to a new goal it's, it's something that a lot of athletes deal with is the retirement whether it's on your terms or someone else's terms um, and then moving out of that it's a really big challenge there's not a, a lot of people that are able to transition well and it wasn't a struggle for me, but it took me a long time to really find myself and I still competed hard. And so the second I stopped competing within the sport, I then all of a sudden made the gym my competition. Uh, so for me, the immediate you know, thought process was, okay, I need to start lifting more weights and I'm going to start paying attention to how much I lift and competing with myself there. And you can only play that game for so long. And I wound up you know, having a couple light little tweaks and thinking, you know what, this isn't my game. My game isn't lifting weights. That's not how I can compete with the world. So I started really setting off on how I could do that and went through a little bit lighter on, on the hit conditioning versus heavy strength training and, and built that in and learned some lessons there. That was essentially my, 
my business for um, for training and bringing the athletic training model to people, which is, you know, go hard, be sustainable, uh, but really challenge yourself within small bouts of, of high intensity uh, work. But I then also realized that the mind is so much more power, powerful than the body. Uh, exercise is a great way to open up the mind, but what lived beyond that really interested me. So my next path was really trying to lock down a personal philosophy and I really have just come to terms with it. So I'm happy to share it here. And it's the three I's, which is intention, integrity, and then intensity. And so to compete, most people just refer to intensity day and age. So they're spinning their wheels thinking that the harder I push when I'm competing and the better it's going to be. But without the integrity and without the intention, you're really just not going anywhere. You're just burning yourself out. So through the process of you know, progressive overload or the thought process of as an athlete, how do I build myself to get better? Well, there needs to be an intention behind that. And that can be the basis of your competition. They have integrity around that pursuit, you know, the, the foundation, the pillars, you strengthen those through the form of intensity. And then that comes back around. And so helping myself, helping other people find their true intentions, their true purpose and meaning, building pillars around that, and then competing to make those stronger by leveraging intensity, that's really been, been the latest game. I love that, man. I love that. And I think that's something that people listening to the show can anchor onto because, you know, for a lot of us, those are key areas that we can all continually be focused on and improving. And so I appreciate you taking the time to share that. What, let's talk now, Martin, what, what are you excited about this year? What about 2018? We're halfway through it, a little over halfway through it. What about this year and the work that you're doing excites you the most? Well, I'm just about to drop my Offball Academy, which is a, a youth mentorship and leadership training session that uh, will really help athletes learn how to maximize the breath, maximize mobility, maximize, maximize life systems uh, to impact the game. So right now there's a massive culture towards early specialization and getting kids one-on-one specialist trainers and at 9, 10, 11 years old. But that increased expectation and load, uh, we're not really giving them the, the skill sets and the coping mechanisms to handle that pressure. And so I'm really looking forward to coming out with an innovative uh, concept, which is this, this academy to teach kids how to handle the stress of the modern day athletic pursuit at a young age, as well as professionals. Um, and then also launch an app to support that, which is more of a, a daily proxy that's positive. Everyone's got a ton of negative proxies that are inside their heads, whether internal or externally. I want to give a positive proxy every single day to increase context, increase the, the, the scale of conversations or, or the thoughts that are inside these young kids' heads. Because a lot of them are, are focused on the short term right now and they, they can't really see the big picture and it's not their fault. What they don't know, they don't know. So sharing with them really positive conversations from other pro athletes and Olympians and, and industry leaders around you know, the bigger picture about that long-term game and, and really sharing the ethos of how to compete. Dude, I love that. And I love the fact that you talked about multi-sports and, and where the specialization is going, which continues to baffle me as someone who grew up playing multiple sports and seeing how they each helped each other. You 
might develop more agility and footwork in this one where you're developing endurance here. Uh, it's fascinating to me. I mean, the NFL draft was this past month um, or this couple of months ago in April and 29 of 32 first round draft picks played multiple sports in high school. And the year before uh, it was 30 of 32. And so even here in America, you're seeing these professional sports are going after guys that have played multiple sports growing up because they understand the importance of putting yourself in those situations of, of learning some different skill sets of not being this year round. I'm only doing one sport. I'm not talking to anybody else playing anything else. Um, they see the benefits of that. And so hearing that, you're getting involved with not only that, but as well as the mental aspect of personal development is, is crucial uh, for those athletes. For anyone listening to the show that wants to check out some of the work that you're doing or, or what you've got coming up in the pipeline, where's a great place for them to go and get connected with you and, and all of that going on? You know, the most, the most current, although I'm not that great at the game yet, is, is Instagram, uh, Instagram, Martin J. Reader. Um, you could also head my website, which is martinreader.ca. And I'm right now I'm prepping to launch the offballathlete.com, which will have uh, a lot more information, has my podcast on there. We'll have some blogs and then uh, a, a portal to that app, which will be essentially the where I'm going to put all of my effort moving forward. Dude, I love that. Okay, so last question I have for you is is off-ball athlete. You are not out of the game just because the ball's not in your hand. What do you believe – this is just out of my own curious uh, self. From an entrepreneurship and, and what you're getting into from an entrepreneurship basis, what have you found to be the most important thing that you've brought from your playing days to now? What do you think the skill or character that you developed then has been the most beneficial to you right in this moment? I'm going to drop something that really is I'm, I'm feeling right now. And I've had a lot of amazing conversations with pro athletes, but also really successful entrepreneurs. And it's, there's no such thing as the grind. The grind is a, a story that you're putting up in your your head to validate your position of being a victim to maybe not necessarily enjoying what you're doing. And so I challenge people to get out of the victim mindset of the grind. Like how can you turn your process into something that you enjoy and you love and that you're excited about? And if you can move out of this grind, I'm putting in the time I'm, I'm sacrificing myself 16 hours a day to be able to do this. And if you can manage your time better, be excited about what you do and, and look for opportunities and look to help other people out, you'll be in such a better place. And I think just because you have a cell phone doesn't necessarily mean you're an entrepreneur. Like let's, let's really building a culture around the grind is a fallacy. It's, it's not real. It's a position that you take to be right. And uh, that's something that, has really resonated with me and uh, you know, people who say, Oh, sorry, man, I don't have time. Like awesome. That means that you have made priorities in your life versus, you know, I'm, I'm on the grind. I can't meet like, well, maybe you just don't necessarily know how to manage your life. So um, yeah, challenging people, entrepreneurs or athletes to fall in love with the process and, and not turn yourself into a victim of your own story on a day-to-day -day basis. 
I, I like that. I love the fact of focusing on that process and how to constantly be aware of and improve your process. I, I'm in the middle of reading right now The Motivation Myth, uh, which is a fascinating book on, on motivation and goal setting and, and the process around that. And the author challenges the idea of setting a massive goal and then forgetting the goal and focusing on the process. And he makes the case that if you, if you look at the big goal, starting this multi-million dollar company and that's all you're focused on, then you're going to get discouraged when sales start slow or there's no sales this day. or And that's when a lot of people quit. And he used the idea of running a marathon. Well, if you haven't been running, going outside and running over 26 miles is daunting. And so you may run one to two for a couple days and just say, screw it, I'm done. I can't run this. Versus if you're focusing on the process and you create a process that says, hey, Monday, I'm going to run one mile. Tuesday, I'm going to stretch for 20 minutes. Wednesday, I'm going to run a mile and a half. And you build out the process and all you're focused on is what that process is, what that day has in store for you. Your chances of success and reaching that goal are infinitely higher than if you only focus on the big goal because the process is everything. Um, and so I love that you you were able to share that and challenge people to look at their process as well as look at their language. I don't have time for it means I've made other things priorities. And, and that's always key that, that sometimes we need that jarring shake to wake us up from the words that we've been using and, and really understand and evaluate what that truly means and what decisions we're making. Uh, Mark, man, this has been a lot of fun. I, I love this. I, I've got to ask as a, a closing note, what are some things that you do every day, morning, night to kind of keep yourself centered and present and focused? Um, what kind of habits or, or tips do you have for listeners that are things that you've been able to test and implement and that work well for you to keep you on that path? I've felt this throughout my entire athletic career and holding on to this life system beyond sport has really helped out. And it's when you're morning, when you're day. And so when you wake up, don't outsource your time immediately to Instagram or or text messages or emails, like hold on to piece of time in the morning that is so valuable and protect that time. And in that time, create some sisters systems around that free time that make you feel good. Breathe consciously. Mash some water. Don't have coffee right away. Delay, delay that one. Be grateful. Write in a journal a little bit. Read a little bit. But the second you turn that cell phone on, you're going to be running ragged for the rest of your day. So if you can just simply delay the world for a little bit and just protect some safe space for you to become yourself, then you're not going to be chasing your tail all day. Dude, I love that. I love that. Valuable information for everyone to take away. All right, here we go. We talked about it before. Martin, to connect with you, Instagram, Martin J. Reader. Uh, we're going to link to it. When your website goes live, we'll link to that as well so people can get connected. Uh, they can check out your show, learn more about what you're doing for personal development and athlete development. Man, this has been a blast. I appreciate you coming on the show this week. Really appreciate it, appreciate it Jake. So great here. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Compete Every Day podcast. To learn more, visit CompeteEveryDay.com. To connect with Jake or contact the show, email us at podcast at CompeteEveryDay.com. And as always, keep competing every day to be better than you were yesterday.